Hello, everyone, and welcome back to a new episode on the Permitted with Conditions podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I hope everyone's having a wonderful day today. As always, I'm Sam with TSA, and I want to welcome you to Toyer's Takes. In this show, we get the chance to pick the brain of David Toyer, a land use professional with 20 plus years of experience. This show is all about answering questions from you guys, our readers and listeners. So, if you have any questions you want featured in a future episode, be sure to let us know in the comments. If you're new here, consider subscribing to the Substack and maybe even throw us a follow on social media. With that, let's get right into Toyer's Takes. Here comes the boss. So for the first question of the day, for the first pilot episode of Toyer Takes, um, we have a question from a client. Why is your company logo a lighthouse? Well, that's a pretty good question. Um, When we were, I was thinking of the concept of what this company represents. And you think about economic development and commerce, and you go way, 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 way back. Lighthouses were this kind of beacon of safety, so to speak, because everything, you know, depended on navigating waters and you had these, you know, routes of commerce and ports that cities were built around. And if you didn't have lighthouses to help people get through fog and other kinds of threats and dangers, uh, then commerce wouldn't be as successful. And so as we looked at it, or as I looked at it at the time uh, of creating the logo, it was this opportunity to, you know, what is this kind of solid standing symbolism of economic development and commerce and really like something that helped guided commerce through challenges. And that's really what we do. I mean, whether it's somebody trying to build a home or we're helping an industry locate to a new facility or we're helping a developer find a new industrial site. At the end of the day, we're facilitating kind of commerce. We're facilitating economic development and activity. Um, And if you think of that in the global sense of kind of a marketplace, you know, we're like the lighthouse that is trying to have these things be more successful at getting between point A and point B faster but also along the way avoid the dangers and the challenges that you might otherwise face. And so to me, the lighthouse stood out as being very representative of that kind of, you know, how I see the company, how we see ourselves uh, here at Toyer Strategic, and that's where it stood out as kind of representing who we are. Got it. So it's like you're a rock-solid foundation that helps people find the right way to go. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's about navigating the process, and it's not easy. I mean, you know, you, you literally you think about permitting processes, and they can be like really rough, rough, choppy waters where, you know, everything looks great, and it's sun shining out, and 15 minutes later, you're now encountering this large storm coming across the water, and the waves are picking up, and the rain starts, and, you know... 
that that's literally what it's like sometimes is you'll submit an application you think everything is great and then you start getting rounds of comments and issues come up that you know weren't anticipated or jurisdictions maybe are misapplying the code and you know those are the challenges we have to deal with on a day-to-day basis and kind of the the seesaw back and forth between you know, having success and then dealing with the struggle because the struggle is real when it comes to permitting. Definitely. All right. So our next question is coming from a reader in the Seattle area. How do they determine how many parking spaces in urban areas when building apartments? There aren't enough. (laughs) I love that question. And uh, I think, so, you know, I've lived in Lake Stevens outside of, you know, little detour to the Midwest for a few years. I've lived in Lake Stevens for most all my life. And I used to joke with my friends that lived down in like Seattle in, you know, Shoreline and some of those places that were more dense. You know, man, I hate coming down here and going out to the bar with you guys. You know, this is when I was younger and I actually used to do that kind of stuff. But hey, I don't like coming down here because I, I can't find a parking spot. <laughs> you know, I go to a place in my hometown and I, there's 10 and I can pull my big F-150 truck up and no problem. So I totally love that question. That being said, the interesting side of it is if you ask a lot of folks in the planning world right now about parking, they're going to tell you that we have too much and we need less, especially when it comes to housing. And the reason is, is that parking areas cost a lot of money. So. It could be, you know, a single stall could contribute about $5,000 to the cost of like a single family home. It could be, you know, tens of thousands of dollars for structured parking in an apartment complex that's, you know, four floors of residential over, you know, one floor of, of parking, podium parking style type development. And so there's a lot of folks out there right now that, you know, if we're going to get dense and provide missing middle housing, if we're going to create housing options for people that are more affordable, because we really do have an affordability crisis. And I mean, we can argue for a long time what is affordable, what's not affordable. I call it accessible. You know, you have to have layers of accessibility. Um, it's like going to a concert, right? Like not everybody can afford to be in a front row, but dang it, people should have the opportunity to buy a ticket to go to the concert if they can, you know, and I might be in the nosebleeds, but I'm going to have as much fun in the nosebleeds as I would if I'm down below to, to a certain extent, you know? So this question of parking is, is I think going to be kind of the next big battleground between policymakers, planners, builders, and neighborhoods. Because, in essence, the landscape around parking is going to change. And especially when we look at areas where there's transit service or going to be transit service or there's going to be a light rail station in the future, you know, somewhere nearby, typically within that quarter mile to half mile radius, those are areas where there's going to be... a lot of emphasis on kind of de-parking the area. You know, we're, we're not going to encourage it to be as car-centric. It's going to be more walk-friendly because the expectation is going to be that people that can afford to live in those little areas are going to, you know, 
use mass transit. They're going to use light rail. We can argue whether, you know, that's a correct assumption. We can argue whether or not that's how we want our neighborhoods to, to, to develop. Uh, but, you know, based on the conditions of where we're at in growth management, that's the direction things are going. And we're not the only ones doing it. Oregon's having those discussions. You know, they have many jurisdictions in Oregon have maximum parking standards, not necessarily minimums, but maximums. And the reason is they don't want you to over park an area. They, they, they want to encourage you to maximize the development footprint as opposed to the footprint for cars. Makes sense. And I suppose if there's less parking available, people will just move away from cars in general. I think that's a lot of the, lot of the thought process. If we can create density next to transit options that are actually viable or next to light rail, then those folks that live there are making a choice to live there because they don't want the automobile, right? Um, you know, we can take this, you know, down a rabbit hole and we can start talking about electric vehicle mandates in Washington state and all those sorts of things. And, um, I, I you know, I don't want to have us get stuck there, but at the end of the day, you know, yeah, parking is a problem in a lot of areas. It really truly is, but that's probably not going to get better. It's, probably going to get more challenging until some of the other infrastructure, meaning transit, light rail, those sorts of things, that other infrastructure finally starts to come online, finally starts to work like it's supposed to. Got it. So for the listeners, if you are in an area where there's a lot of public transit, use it because clearly the shift towards that is going to be prioritized over your parking space. Yeah, absolutely. There's a, a big emphasis on that. And just in general, you know, if you look across the, the, the full landscape of a community, there is a, a, a substantially, you know, a, a very substantial focus these days on walkable communities and really promoting good pedestrian connections, you know, support healthy lifestyles, allowing people to walk and actually get somewhere. You know, if we're going to create density and we're going to require less on-site like park space or open space per unit, then they got to have a way, you know, via a pathway, a trail or something to get to the neighborhood park that is getting built down the street, right? So there has to be good connections. There has to be a way to connect, you know, some of the higher density housing to some of the pocket commercial, you know, businesses and restaurants and things that are, that are nearby, Gotcha. Thanks again, David, for your time and your expertise. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening to Toyer's Takes here on Permitted with Conditions. Be sure to keep an eye out for future episodes and don't forget to subscribe. That's all from us today. So thanks again and have a wonderful day. Mm-hmm.